Hello and welcome to another episode of Edgeguard, a podcast where we take a closer look at games on the fringe. Uh, I am your host, Jordan, and with me today is my co-host, Blake. Hey, Jordan, how are you? I'm doing uh, pretty good. Well, a little under the weather, but uh, excited to talk about this game. It's a pretty good game. Um, this week we played a game called Card Witch First Draw, which is the pre-alpha build or demo build really for a uh, game that I assume will just be called Card Witch that is basically a um, cross between like deck building trading card game in the style of like Hearthstone or Magic the Gathering uh, that has like um, sort of an action uh, beat em up element built into it. Yeah, so on interesting the, twist on the genre. Yeah, on the itch itch page for this game, it says it's inspired by uh, Mega Man Battle Network, I believe, which is a series yeah. of games that I never played. But I feel like that's nor did I. One of those, uh, like, one of those series that was really popular on like the the Game Boy Advance when I was like a little kid. It just if I would have huh? yeah, if I would have like bought one of them as a little kid i probably would have loved it but i just didn't instead i bought the uh movie tie-in uh x-men 2 game so mm-hmm. you know actually i think it's called wolverine's revenge that game is actually pretty good i i own that game as an adult and it's better than you would expect but it has nothing to do with card Witch, so we're gonna forget about that for now. <laughs> well um yeah I, I know nothing about the Mega Man series that's based on or inspired by but i like the i think it's an interesting take on the trading card genre that is kind of, I don't know. It's got a little stale. Um, uh, I, I play a lot of magic the gathering, so I'm sort of used to, uh, the genre and I feel like magic at least in hearthstone, which is really just a clone of magic. Uh, both, uh, sometimes feel like they're just recycling the same thing over and over again. Um, but before we dive in a little deeper, uh, I do want to say this game is, uh, Written and designed by Robert Moore. Um, artwork, character design by Charlene Excelsia. Oh, Natasha Dawn Charlene Excelsia. Um, and pro- I know. Hell of a series of names, really. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, programming by Jesse B. Music by Iris Merrill. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I think I think a lot of these people people might be more familiar with their Twitter handle handles. So Robert Moore is uh, at Bloody Honey. Uh, Natasha Dawn, Charlene Excelsia is at Charlene Maximum. Jesse B is at Super Blizzard, and Iris Merrill is at Ghoul Powder. So I know I definitely didn't know Bloody Honey's name. Uh, I knew his first mm-hmm. name was Robert, but that's about all I knew. Uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, these these are these are a group of like pretty well known games Twitter people. I would say <laughs> several yeah. of them are. Um, I, that's definitely how I uh, sort of stumbled into this pre-alpha build of uh, a cool thing because bloody honey has been tweeting out like little snippets of art and little little clips of mm-hmm. the animations and i've was instantly yeah. drawn in because this game has what i like to call style it's just got like a <laughs> you gotta say it like that you got really drawn out yeah you got it there's lots style. of whys in there yeah and uh, that's like a giant bomb thing they have a category every year for their game of the year it's the best style and i definitely Does it have multiple whys or no oh for sure oh nice yeah, but um, <laughs> this game's just got like a an art style and a swagger to it. That's uh, that's the undeniable, art is great. I, I love the art. I think the character models are super rad. 
the enemies. I really like the nightmare. Oh, which sure. Which is like, it's like a centaur knight dude that has this like big ass sword for a torso that he then pulls out and whacks you with. I didn't even yeah. realize it until I'm just like watching this uh, gif on the itch.io. Yeah. I did not realize that like the part of his body that is a sword is what he wields against you. That's yes. incredible. Yeah, super cool. That's actually similar to the uh, the like bat one. It's called the gun slave. Yes. which is it is a, a gun with bat wings it's a gun with bat wings uh, yeah so that's super cool too and the, i mean the art just looks good yeah um, and the for main, like a pre-alpha it's oh, very absolutely. impressive like yeah. yeah and the the main character uh who's named julia morgan is just like this badass looking witch lady with like a pistol and like yeah i don't know she does look super cool just too. like her her stance is just <laughs> like just like yo she's about to kick my ass yeah and i like her um her like attack animations are really good too the way she shoots and the way especially the way she swings her sword yeah just like it just feels badass it makes you want to like make sword noises when you swing like yeah it's got kind of like the anime like style very anime super um super exaggerated but just all stylized to just look incredibly cool uh, yeah, and I think that's maybe one of the things the game is most successful at. It's just like looking Being cool, cool as hell. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, it's clear. I mean, this is like pre-alpha, so it's before they're even really releasing a an actual build of the game. Mm-hmm. And um, it's clear that some things have been more fully like fleshed out than others. Like I think the the character art is very good, but I suspect that the like battleground art will be different in future versions um you just kind of play on a uh a three by six grid half of which is blue and half of which is red um and it's kind of nondescript um i could see that being rendered differently in a future version yeah absolutely and i think i think that grid is one of the at least from a person who's seen Mega Man battle network played but has never played it myself that's like one of the things that is most recognizable is that it takes place on like this grid oh, is it? Okay. and I'm pretty sure it, uh, the grid in Mega, uh, in Mega Man operates the same way where like the enemies generally don't move onto your side of the grid and you can't move onto their side of the grid. Mm-hmm. Um, so is there a rule behind that? I know the, when I fought the Gehen hound, it leaped over a few times, but that's the only enemy I fought that leaped over onto my side. Yeah. I think generally it's like enemies aren't supposed to come over unless they have a specific ability that allows them to do it. Sure. So I think that's kind of what that is that, that the, whatever that dog thing is, has mm. a, an ability that lets it, uh, jump over. And then yeah. like the dividing line, yeah. I don't, I'm not sure if there are any spells that like you had that would let you do it. Not, not as far as I could find, but, um, me neither. Although there were some spells that didn't have descriptions that I didn't get the chance to test out. Sure. So. Yeah. That was another thing is like, there was a surprising amount of like cards in here and yeah. like, well, not- please, you, you must not play trading card games. Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like this game, <laughs> even in its fully fully realized form, is probably not going to be like necessarily a trading no. card game. It's I don't yeah, think no, it's going to be mostly, like collect- it's definitely deck building more than collecting. I get the impression. Yeah, I think it'll play more like here. Here's a hundred and fifty cards, or I don't know, maybe even fewer than that. And you, although, yeah, I mean, I I hope it does not become an actual trading card game because I think that the card collection, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is by far the worst part of that genre. It just turns into like who can like get how, the card that is yeah, most successful who, in the metagame right now. Yeah. Like if it, everyone has the same pool of cards and you could, 
argue that it's a little bit more of a skill-based game but yeah i mean it's kind of like loot games like in destiny 2 which i know you and yeah. i played a good amount of uh last year it's like okay well if you got that exotic that's kind of op right now then everyone's going to be using it or you just get the mighty yeah. multi-tool and it's just really good all the time and <laughs> you're going to have at yeah. least two people using it in every single multiplayer pat uh you know match you play mm-hmm. yeah and then i've i recently picked up hearthstone so i've played magic the gathering for a while recently picked up hearthstone and I've only been playing for a couple months, but I get the impression that there are a few like rare cards that really like dominate the meta. Sure. Um, Patches the pirate for people who play. It's like, that's a card that like seriously two thirds of decks have in it. And it's Mm. just, it gets, yeah. So that's a little annoying. And it's also a very rare card. So people either like bought a bunch of cards, card packs in order to get it or have been playing for a long time. Okay. Well, since we're on sort of the subject of trading card games, Trading card games are not something that I've ever really gotten into. I played a little mm-hmm. bit of uh, Magic when I was like a child, but I was playing yeah, with yeah. older cousins who actually understood the mechanics, and I was just like a child who was just like, "Yeah, this is look at the cool cards. This card is a turtle with an island on its back. That's nuts." <laughs> uh, so, from the perspective of a person who uh, has cared a lot invested a lot of time and resources into uh like magic the gathering what would Mm -hmm. you read on this game as sort of a card based game um well so it makes some very some very obvious and some less obvious changes uh the obvious one is like there's no such thing really in this game as turns like um because it's a real-time action uh it's, I mean, that's not 100% true because um, the way you the enemies move across the squares, it seems like they are on some fixed timers, mm-hmm. and it seems like their attacks are also on some fixed timers, which uh, I don't know if there's... There's probably a word for this in game design. I'm not sure if you know, but it seems like they... It's like both turn-based and live-action. It kind of reminds me of like World of Warcraft in that way, in that like your attacks all happen at a certain interval of time, but... Uh, it's not as if you have literal turns in the same way you do as like yeah i'm not really like sure because it, it kind of operates on a similar system i guess we should talk about a little bit how the gameplay plays out but it works on the sort of a similar system to like a mass effect or something where it's sort of an action game but you can at mm. any time pause the action and then you're making more tactical decisions yeah. because basically at any yeah, point that's true it really reminds me of knights of the republic in that way yeah yeah exactly um, uh so you're basically kind of like moving around this grid and at the start of a round uh you both you and the enemies have to sort of charge up your like mana gauge or your whatever your power gauge is that um you're using to you like must expend this power to cast the spells in your cards but basically Mm -hmm. you for the first like 30 seconds of the game you're just kind of like Everyone, all the everyone on the moors is kind of like dashing around. It's kind of like the the precursor. It's like that part in a in a fist fight where the two guys are like like hit me, hit me, you know, and they're like getting all up in each other's face, like yeah, fucking do it, bro, do it. No, fucking you do it. No, 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 you do it. You know, it's kind of like that phase where you're just kind of like dodging sure, around. Interesting comparison. And then once you've once you've built this uh, mana, you can uh, pause the action by hitting the space bar, and then uh, you're given a hand of like five cards, mm-hmm. and you can pick them. And based on their like sort of mana costs, uh, you'll be able to queue up like between, you know, one and five different spells because Mm -hmm. uh, currently there are like five pips of mana in your mana bar. Uh, And then. uh, So that's another interesting difference between the game 
and this game in like the standard uh, Magic the Gathering formula is that when you so you have this hand that you can open up, mm. but you you spend your your like resource your equivalent of uh, mana. Mm-hmm. Um, you spend it to draw the cards, not to mm-hmm. uh, play them. Which I mean, maybe that's not a, that is not a real distinction in this game because it has almost the same effect. But basically, what you do is you spend the mana to put it in your like card, like to put it really in your hand, and then whenever you want after that point, you can use it. Yeah. See, I would argue that you're you're kind of you're almost using the spells as you grab them because once you've picked the order and like popped out of the thing, you're kind of yes, locked in, aren't true. you? So yeah, so, which I mean, I'd be curious to hear if you have any idea what the rationale behind that is, because I kind of, I found myself being a little bit frustrated at moments that once I had picked the order of my spells, I couldn't mm-hmm. go back and forth through them. Maybe that's just something I needed to get used to. Okay. Um, I, I have a, I'm relatively certain that what that is, is for comboing moves because if you notice when you're picking uh, cards in sort of like the deck building part of the main menu um, mm-hmm. on some of the uh, cards, it will say uh, works with and it'll list some other cards. So my guess is that like uh, if you this game does have a tutorial, uh, but I think it probably doesn't go super into depth. This, seem, this game seems like you could go super deep on it because it kind of has like the trading card aspect and like the active combat aspect that both could probably go pretty deep, but it seems like you would be casting uh, two spells in succession and they would combo into each other for extra damage or for additional status effects or something along those lines. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it seems like you could have it in some way where it combos if you use them back to back, Mm -hmm. but you still have the option to switch up your order once you've locked them into your hand or another thing that was tricky for me was I, the only controls are like the movement keys, space bar and Z and X. Mm-hmm. And I kept getting Z and X mixed up mm-hmm. and like accidentally selecting cards when I didn't mean to. Um, so I don't know. It would have been useful to be able to switch. Well, you back. could hit, but, I mean, you could hit X to clear the cards you had queued up. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, we have to clear all of them. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean the whole hand I feel like that I mean most of the time I was only adding like two cards at a time anyways yeah and I feel like that's mostly an artifact of this being like a very early build of the game yeah totally uh, not all the not everything fully implemented Um, but uh, I mean man there's actually I'm now that I'm thinking about there's this game is actually probably one of the most like mechanically dense games we've played thus far uh, which is I think why even though this is like literally only like a combat demo there's like a lot of ground to cover because um, there's also like each card, since it's on a grid, each card has like it's uh, effective, uh, like the tiles that it affects. So there are a handful of cards that affect the whole board. Some cards only hit the tile directly in front of you. Some go in a line in front of you. Some go in like a cone in front of you. Some only hit enemies touching the ground. Some hit only flying enemies. Yes. One, the lightning spell just hits like the enemy that is furthest back. Furthest back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so that's super interesting. Yeah. This, it's kind of a, a thing where like, uh, you sort of mentioned how you'd had trouble with the controls and like, that was really probably my biggest problem with the game, which I, I feel like is something that is 
almost exclusive. Like, I don't think this will be a problem in the final game because oh, I'm sure like, I'm sure they'll change that. I'm sure that you can play that. You'll be able to play this on a game pad, which I wanted to do so bad because I can tell that like on a game pad, this game is going to work and it's going to feel awesome. Yeah. because like I, the I way the way your character like zips around the board has just like such a nice little like snappiness to it that mm. like the the way the game pad would give you like you know just just the right like tactility for like and you know exactly which button launches your spell and i i could even see like foresee this game like uh letting you attach spells to like different buttons so you can trigger them in order that way i mean i'm not sure if that's what they're going for or if mm-hmm. uh like they kind of want to keep the order that you put them in locked down but i could see this be like even though it would probably only be like a two button game uh if it you know s- you know sticking with the the way that it works in this uh demo i still f- think that it'll be uh you know really satisfying and enjoyable mm-hmm. yeah to um cycle back to something you said a second ago this is the most mechanically dense game we've played mm-hmm. or one of the most mechanically dense games uh, the way I was thinking about it was this is like one of the few games we've played where like something like balance issues mm-hmm. matter. Like sure. it, we have never played a game where it'd be like there are like certain strategies that are like broken. Mm-hmm. But like this one, it seems I'm not saying like there are broken ones in the game as it exists, but like mm-hmm. there's so many moving parts that like um, you can actually like it is meaningful to like think about like think very hard about which strategies are better than which one, which yeah. other strategies. And it seems like that's absolutely what they're going for because even in this like yeah, limited demo, <laughs> there are like some like in, in pretty intense challenges. Like it's a lot about like challenge mode. There's like some endless challenge modes. And then there's like mm-hmm. what I am particularly interested in is like bespoke challenge levels. Uh, because I think, you know, bespoke uh, enemy encounters and like level design is something that's kind of underutilized in current games at this scale, which is to say that so many like smaller games uh, just think the way like so many games that are based on having like good gameplay and like uh, tactile mechanics, uh, then someone builds them and then they say, okay, great. Now put it in like a roguelike so that we, we don't have to generate mm. levels. We just get to like auto generate them. Uh, and yeah. there, there, there can be very good automatically generated levels, but I think that even the best automatically generated levels are never going to be quite as good as bespoke levels. They might mm-hmm. fit the design of your game more for something like Spelunky, where it's kind of like about randomly, yeah, randomly traversing this area or, you know, not about having something new every time, but um, in a game like this where you just want, like, a really satisfying encounter, I think having enemies, mm-hmm. like, very specific sets of enemies in specific, uh, you know, uh, clusters is mm-hmm. uh, is something that I really appreciate to see. Yeah. I And something else, um, just talk about another way that the mechanics of this game are de- deep, is I could see them going... Uh, you know, in designing like really tight, fun encounters, I'd be interested to see. I don't know if this would be a good change or not, but an idea I had was to like add environmental stuff. So some mm-hmm. of the enemies have things where they like their attacks leave persistent harmful stuff on the mm-hmm. ground. Yes, and it it seemed like this would be a a great game for having like enemies that appear on maps that have pre existing. Oh uh, sure, like traps harmful squares that sort of thing or or also squares that you can use to your advantage yeah absolutely um so i also wanted to talk about like another mechanic that this game has which is uh um counters and parries uh yes which was something that i 
I did not actually use very much. Mm-hmm. Well, I, let's hear what you're going to say about it first. Yeah, so um, I think... I am a little bit of a sucker for like that kind of mechanic. Yeah. Um, I think that I remember how much you liked uh, parrying in Dark Souls. Parrying in Dark Souls is maybe my single favorite <laughs> combat interaction in like any game ever. <laughs> like in specifically in Dark Souls One. I think in Dark Souls yeah. Two they ruined parrying. Then in Dark Souls Three <laughs> they it brought it okay. back close enough to be almost as good. But like the thing about parrying in Dark Souls One is it like doesn't really make that much sense. It's so weird and it's not explained. You have to like watch a guide video to understand it, and the timing is so specific. But I yes. think uh, actions like that. I mean, there's a reason that so many like third-person character action games uh, like Dark Souls or like Bayonetta um, have moves that are based on like really precise timing. Is that it's like yeah. it the the in negative impact of not doing it is either you take a hit which you can recover from in almost any case or you just you know maybe you do it too early and you kind of bump the enemy out mm-hmm. of their attack animation but the the feeling you get in like dark souls when you successfully time that stupid little shield thing just right to like hit the final boss in the middle of his attack animation. And then you just walk up and fucking stab him in the gut for like triple damage <laughs> is something that is singularly satisfying. And there's like that stupid yeah, like yeah. sound in dark souls and, yes. and kind of the way they, uh, they use that in this game is that um, if you uh, cast a spell at an anim- enemy, specifically this is casting a spell um that like and it hits them while they're in the middle of their attack animation before it comes out then it will stun them and then you can kind of take that opportunity to damage them some more um Mm -hmm. either with i'm pretty sure you could combo that into like using another spell but how it generally played out is that you whip out the revolver which we haven't talked about at all but you sort of Mm -hmm. whip out the revolver and just like hammer on it and just shoot the shit out of them because it deals critical hits while they're stunned which uh, critical hits, I think they're double damage, right? Yeah, I assume so. I didn't actually yeah. pay that much attention. I, but I in the revolver, so. I remember it is because you do one normally and two mm. otherwise. But I think it's, I think it's always, uh, always double damage. Yeah, see, that's a, an example of like how this game really rewards like a deep dive into the nuances of its mechanics. Because mm-hmm. like I'm sure there is an optimal. I suspect it's the revolver, but like you can do your. Um, your uh, what are they called? Counter strikes or your critical the, hits? Critical hits you can do with another spell. You can counter them with a spell and then critical hit them with a spell. Yeah, but and, just looking at the numbers, I suspect spamming the revolver might be better. I'm not sure. See, I would. I my guess would be that uh, probably the best thing to do would be to uh sort of use the spell combos that are kind of hinted at in like like That's I was true. saying. And so you like I forget exactly what they were because I didn't I didn't go quite deep enough uh with this game like i didn't, I didn't spend a ton mm. of time with it. i, I, I want to spend more time with it for sure but like uh it seems like you would like blast them with the shotgun to like knock them out of their thing and into the critical state and then combo that straight into like a sword hit and you that would do like the double damage of uh comboing from the shotgun yeah. into a sword hit and then the double like stacking with the double damage of a critical mm-hmm. to do like quadruple damage or something yeah. crazy seems like is like probably where mm-hmm. the the game uh mm-hmm. is sort of leading you with that yeah um th- yeah the parrying i think is one moment when or countering i guess is what it's called in this game 
The countering well, is... Well, it calls I, it I, parrying. I think uh, you counter them to uh, stun them, and then hitting them while they're stunned is considered a parry, I think. Well, in one of the challenges, it calls it that a critical strike. Oh, but, I don't know. There's something that it calls parry, because I was getting points yeah, for parrying. I think I'm I not sure exactly what it too. is. Hmm. Anyway, continue. Well, and either way, though, the that mechanic is one of the biggest ways that this game diverges from other like trading card games um obviously because those games are turn-based so something mm. like timing wouldn't be a part of it um uh yeah i and it's interesting this game also sort of lets you like kind of choose how much of a card game and how much of a uh like action parry game you want it to be mm-hmm. because i I almost never used the parries and it sounded like you used it a lot. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's actually interesting because, um, it seems like you engaged with like the cards and we're sort of picking your cards a little yeah, bit more thoughtfully. I <laughs> and I was trying to like do that actiony stuff more because it's mm-hmm. what I'm more familiar with. And generally speaking, what I like more. Um, yeah. so that's, that's yeah, interesting. Well, I'm, my, my strategy and it worked pretty well. It depended on luck a little bit, but you need to have a minimum of 20 cards in your deck. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was I picked like, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think three spells that I really liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were Lightning Strike, Earthquake, and the other one I didn't end up using that much, but Shockwave. Mm-hmm. Earth- Earthquake I loved. I think it's super powerful. Mm-hmm. And, and then I, uh, I filled the rest of my deck with recall cards, which are cards that let you redraw oh. a spell you've already used. Mm-hmm. So my strategy would be to um, uh, play Earthquake, then play and so the, each of the recall cards is different. One of them gets you a spell from your graveyard at random. One of them gets you a spell from your graveyard that's the most recent one you played, and one of them is the spell from your graveyard that is the the one on the bottom. So I guess the one that you played longest ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you just do spell recall, spell recall, spell recall, you'll always be getting the same mm. um, same spell back. And sometimes you'll do spell recall and then get a previous recall spell back. Mm-hmm. But then you just keep hitting recall until you get earthquake. <laughs> and then I would <laughs> do earthquake. So that was a little bit of a, a gimmicky strategy. Yeah. Um, but it sort of reminded me a little bit more of like trading card games in, in that like having cards, like drawing cards is like hugely powerful in those games. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, so I was really, really attracted to that ability. Yeah. My, my strategy was generally more to fill it out with like the sort of bread and butter attack moves. Uh, and then have, yeah, yeah. have uh, definitely levitate was one of my favorites. Uh, you, I, I think it, I'm not sure if it was operating as expected, but basically you cast it once and then uh, you like float above the tiles. And so you're like harder to hit. And a lot of mm-hmm. like m- many attacks just won't hit you if you're levitating. So my strategy would kind of be to like mm. fill it out with basic attacks. And then I would try and uh, use something that came out instantly, like the shotgun uh, yeah, or the, I guess the Gatling gun, which I was kind of sad that those didn't have their own animations yet, but, um, I anticipate that's because, uh, the oh, animations, I never used the Gatling gun. Oh yeah. Basically all, both of the, uh, like the other guns other than just the revolver, uh, as far as I remember, do the exact same animation as the revolver, but I assume that's because the, it's, you know, very early and those animations for those guns are going to be really cool and dope, just like the current yeah. animations and they take time. But, uh, but anyway, so I would basically yeah. like, try and blast with a shotgun while they were uh, about to attack to sort of uh, counter them and then try and critical them with a slower move, like a sword that takes a minute to come out mm-hmm. uh, and then kind of like 
dance around the board while I wait for my, my stuff to recharge. Yeah, that's that seems like a solid strategy. I, I can imagine the Gatling gun and the shotgun too, I guess, having like really fun, like super anime animations. Like oh, absolutely. The Gatling gun especially, I bet she'll like pull it out and like there'll be a nice little pause and then it'll be like super bright flashes when she shoots it. I could see that being cool. Yeah, that's like, uh, I, I can't iterate enough how much like just the style of this game helps it. It just like, yes. and like the way you move around the board is you have like, you do like these weird, like you just kind of like, it, it, you don't even really walk. You just kind of like zip between the tiles yeah. and there's like a little yeah, ghost Yeah, you get effect. blurry for a second. It seems like, yeah. Yeah. It, it seems like you're like teleporting or you something. Know, you're a magic witch. No, you have no need for stepping places. You yes. just zip around everywhere. Yes. And you're yeah. above it makes it stepping it makes the game like look and feel really snappy yeah which is a game i don't know why but snappy is kind of like the adjective that uh, came up most when i was playing this game it's just like it just it's just got a just like a real quick quick feel to it um which which kind of reminds me like another thing this is like i don't know Sometimes I think with these games, uh, like something that's like this early on, I kind of like get into an eye mode where like, oh, you could add this, which I feel like isn't always yeah. like a, a helpful thing to say. Uh, to yeah, a developer. possibly not. Because I've been like in that position where you show someone your game and they're like, oh, but why don't you add this? And it's like, yeah, we consider that. And like, we don't think that's the right thing for this game. Yeah. But I think some like mobility <laughs> options could look really cool, like some sort of like dash forward or that could even be like a spell is something that like takes you from the back of the grid up to the front so like if you want to stay out of range of something that has like a limited range like the the nightmare then you kind of like chill at the back of the board and then like dash up to them and then strike them once you're at the front or something could be really cool Hmm. yeah i i think that more cards um i mean it seems like they probably like levitate is already a kind of mobility so it seems like they might be thinking about that already Mm -hmm. but you could you can have something that's like a mobility card that also lets you parry or something like that sure yeah um, yeah that's that's kind of what my thought was is that you like it man maybe that's a re- it would be like too powerful to like be at the back of the board and then like dash forward maybe. into a parry of them that but anyway it's just sort of uh something i thought about um that would make this game that already feels like really quick and like agile uh mm-hmm. even more so um so one thing we haven't talked a ton about is the resource management element yes. of this game which is, um, what did you think about that? Because it's, I mean, a lot of the times your resource management is really just like wait and dodge. Burning down the clock. And then, and then let some huge combos out. Um, yeah, and like that's, that's, that's another thing that I had a little bit of like pause with. I think especially like at the, at the start of the round, I'm not sure how I feel about it because um, like I mentioned earlier, it's sort of like, I don't know, neither, neither you nor your enemies have mana at the start of the game. So it's kind of like, it kind of feels like a, a little bit of a, like it's, you're just kind of waiting for stuff to happen. It, t- it seems like it takes a little bit yeah. long. Like I kind of almost want you to start with like two pips of mana or something. So you can just like use a couple spells. It just feels like it's not a very long period of time, but it feels like during that time, there's literally nothing to do, but uh, like wait and you can kind of move around the board but there's not that much purpose because yeah. even if the enemies are like moving towards you they're not gonna be able to hit you until they have their mm-hmm. uh, yep. you know sort of spells charged uh, so one thing that I I was meaning to look into but I forgot to do was the wild growth spell which mm-hmm. I I never tried it so I don't know what it does 
but I assume it's a reference to the Wild Growth, Wild Growth, which is a card both in Magic the Gathering and in Hearthstone. That basically what it does is it gives you more mana. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you spend a little mana now to get more mana later. Sure. Um, and so it does seem like they're trying to think about different ways to deepen the resource management. Like, mm. like I don't know how you would use the Wild Growth in this one. Like maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just like always a good thing to grab because it just automatically gives you two more mana. Yeah. I should really try it out. Yeah. That's a spell I didn't use at all. I, that's another thing that where like I would, I didn't go super deep into the like sort of deck building card portion of the game. I was more interested in the action yeah. part of the game, which resulted a lot in me like s- s- waiting till I had all of my mana stacking up, you know, three or four spells mm-hmm. and then burning them over the course of a little while. And then sitting, trying to dodge enemy attacks while my, while my spells sort of, while my mana comes mm-hmm. back again, which, um, I don't know. I, it gives it a little bit of like a peaks and valleys type situation, but also there were a few times where it's like kind of frustrating. I'm just like, and it's probably my, uh, my own fault in many ways for like burning all my spells really quickly. Uh, but you're just kind of, I'm just kind of like sitting there, like trying to dodge stuff and feeling a little bit defenseless. And like, I don't have an, yeah. like much to enact on the game, which might be the game's way of like punishing me for being uh, sort of over eager with my spell casting. But <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, one thing that I, I guess I hadn't thought a ton about, but besides just straight up dodging, your only other defensive option is to use a spell mm-hmm. uh, to pick to parry. Um, so maybe maybe the real optimal strategy is to be a little more conservative in your your spell use. Yeah, I think I think generally in a game like this, uh, being more conservative. I mean, it's sort of like the the. Uh, Batman Arkham Asylum combat where like anybody can just like jam the buttons and hit Y when the guys are coming at you <laughs> to hit them but if you really want to be like yeah. building crazy combos and doing ridiculous shit it's like very it's like got a, almost a rhythmic quality to it where you're like very carefully like you can't just jam the button because you're gonna press it and, yeah. and commit to punches that you don't want to commit to so you have to kind of be mm-hmm. very carefully like timing out these moves and like trying to wait till the last second to hit the move just in case someone's gonna try and attack you like the moment after you engage it um which uh yeah is one way to say i love the i love the batman arkham combat it's it's so good so good (laughs) really really i I didn't get that impression it's it's so good jordan (laughs) um uh i'd be curious to see so it sounds like we like the two of us really took very just like like totally divergent strategies to like beating the challenges of this game Mm mm-hmm um, uh, I'd be curious to see someone who really like, really like plays this game, gets good at it, mm. and see what it would look like to have someone that really like integrates the the deck building and the pairing elements together. Yeah, and I'm I'm even curious if this game, if they've like considered uh, like a one on one like player versus player option, because I yeah. think that could be. I'm not sure that it would work, but I think. It could be, be interesting because you'd have to add some sort of limit to the pausing mechanic. Oh, I, yeah, you know what? I didn't even think about that. That doesn't, you're, you're right. That doesn't make any sense at all. It would have to be very different. Yeah. Like maybe you, you only get to like, yeah. I mean, maybe I they believe, could do something. Yeah. I can't this believe I forgot really about the pausing, but that's kind of a big part of it. I, I think, yeah. I think it wouldn't quite work. Um, this would be a very different game. Well, not, I mean, not unrecognizably different, but it would be a substantial change. 
But one thing you could do is have it so your deck was always visible, maybe at the top of the screen or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you like have to pick cards in real time. You'd need more buttons, like different controlling buttons. Yeah. A different button for selecting your spells than the one you use for using them. But mm-hmm. I mean, there's not a lot of buttons yeah. this game even uses. Like if it if they put put it on a gamepad, there could be like like you use the bumpers to select your cards. Yeah, I mean I don't I don't think it would I don't think it would really work. Um, it would be tricky yeah but so we haven't talked about like maybe i don't want to say it's my favorite thing about this game but it's like my favorite little like mechanical touch that like you know at first i wasn't thinking about that much but then like thinking about the function of it it's just like smartly solves several problems which is the revolver Mm. which we haven't really touched on we've sort of briefly mentioned it but the revolver is just sort of like a freebie super low damage attack that you can use at any time and you can spam it as much as you want so the thing about well you can use it whenever you want on the maps that you have it because you don't get it on some of them. Yeah, so that's um, I, I think that's one of the reasons that I, I really liked it, uh, is that they take it away from you to increase yeah. the challenge of the game. But I think the like the function that works for it the best for me is in like making the game like I, I again I'm gonna say snappy again because it just makes the game feel so quick because you can always be doing something. It, like just the way yeah. you can just spam it and it looks cool and you're just like zipping around, it's like boo-boo-boo. So even when you don't have, uh, you know, mana to use, you can still kind of be like popping off shots and you're not going to do a, mm-hmm. a ton of damage, but it looks cool. And just, I don't know, it just sort of, it feels like a, like a bread and butter attack that like, uh, you can't rely on it too much, but it will, it'll help you like fill in the gaps a little bit and just it, inc- it, it adds a lot of style and like flair to where you're just like, yeah. you, you smack the shit out of them with a sword and like knock them on their ass and then just just spam the shit out of the gun i was like yeah like, and there's like a nice a nice like flash effect from the muzzle flare that oh yeah. hits all over like um morgan's character model that's pretty cool too yeah yeah it's just it's just a nice nice touch i think that's what they call uh juice yeah so i mean those little yeah sort those of little touches juice uh, i think this game has like a ton of it like it's juicy See, I, I, juice has never been something that I like love. It's not I, a great word for describing that. I no. under, I understand like what they mean is it's like a lot of like the small touches that, um, that make yeah, just like a little extra action flavor. games like really good. And actually, uh, Jan Willem Neiman from, uh, Vlambeer. We haven't played a Vlambeer game yet <laughs> for this podcast. Um, but I think that that moment is probably coming at some point. I'll make you play a Vlambeer game because they, they do a very good job. And uh, Jan Willem Neiman uh, has done, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think it was a GDC talk, but uh, I've, I found on YouTube mm. an archive of a talk he did where he basically starts with this like little quickly mocked up prototype of like a side scrolling uh, 2d, like little shooter game where you're jumping around on platforms and killing enemies. And it starts out like this very bland. You have like a little character with a gun and he can shoot little enemy characters. And he basically just goes through iteration of like 50 builds where he says, okay, here's like all a 50 tiny things you can do to make your action game feel way better. And, oh, uh, interesting. and so yeah. he like starts by uh, adding like knockback on the enemies and then he like mm-hmm. makes the bullets bigger and then he makes it so that your gun when you shoot it knocks you back a little bit and he just like yeah. breaks down all these uh, these different little touches that you can add and it's it's really 
mm-hmm. it's really super cool because like so many are things that like you don't consciously be like oh this is happening unless you like if you're a game developer if you've, if you've made games and implemented them before then obviously you pay attention to them in games but i think uh like the the tiny things that can like make things feel better like probably the most common one that you'll see in like almost any modern action game like once i tell you about it you'll probably start noticing it uh everywhere is that um Mm. almost every modern action game will uh momentarily pause uh on when you hit an enemy or when an enemy hits you yes i did i mean i have noticed that before i mean i might start noticing it more often but that's so it is pretty common i think and it's like momentary sometimes it's only like a a couple frames or something. Yeah. I mean, oftentimes it's like a single frame. Uh, and okay, I think yeah, yeah. like a lot of times the, the times when people notice it are when it's like super dramatic, kind of like anime looking where it like, uh, slows down time really dramatically. Yeah, like soul caliber does that. I think like sure. hits someone. Sure. But, uh, like the, the, Oh, just like dark souls. Like every time you're hitting something, it's just like a tiny little momentary pause. Mm-hmm. And, and once you know that it's, uh, happening everywhere you'll just notice it in every game even when it's just like the tiniest thing um hmm. yeah and i think uh, one of my favorite examples of it is uh i think it's like new super mario bros Wii. it's one of the like 2d mario games that's on the wii that you can play with like up to four people it uh they implement the frame pause but when you're playing with uh like multiple people it uh on the same screen it like pauses for everyone so actually like kind of has this like really adverse effect where like you're like pausing in like while you're falling through the air because someone else oh. is jumping on an enemy's head or someone else oh, is doing some action. That, yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. funny. Cause like it was my, uh, the, I was, I played it once with some, like my roommates or something and they were like, what are you talking about? I'm like, like, no, like ugh, it's, it's pausing. It's driving me crazy. <laughs> so it's, huh. it's kind of interesting, but that's sort of a long roundabout way to say that like this game, you can tell it has a lot of those like little, little touches that really add mm-hmm. a lot of, um, uh, I know visceral yeah, just is like kind depth of like a, to the feel. Visceral is good. Like, I don't know. It just makes the, the like world of the game feel a little more like responsive and reactive. Like, like in a, in a visceral way that your, that your actions are like effective in the sense of like having an effect. Sure. They do think. Yeah. Um, well, is there anything else about this game that you, uh, you want to make sure we hit on? Yeah, I have a few small, like, uh, little uh, things. Uh, first of all, uh, when you select download the game on Itch, and it says, uh, buy this game, the default price is $6.66. I, I didn't think that was interesting. Which is uh, thematically on point for your uh, badass yeah, witch lady. Witch. Um, yeah, I mean, it says she's in some sort of pocket dimension, which is like a D&D reference. So, oh, sure. I don't know, she's like in hell or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's good. So, well, I mean, she's a witch, so that's yeah. generally... She's damned yeah. for her witchcraft. And then we haven't talked about the music at all, uh, but the the music, especially like... So there's a whole tutor- set of like tutorial levels that kind of like lightly teach you how to play the game. And then mm-hmm. after that, you can kind of go into like the action challenges and uh, the mu- like the battle music that plays once you start doing the regular stages. It's just like, oh man, it's it's got this uh, <laughs> uh, sound that has started cropping up more in or like a lot in sort of smaller independent games, which is, I, I kind of call it like the undertale sound, which is where like all, hmm. most of the inter instruments are kind of like intentionally cheesy sounding, like MIDI instruments. Like it's like, okay, that's, those are supposed to be horns, but like no one is going to think those are like real horns. That is definitely like a MIDI horn that's being played by a guy on a keyboard. Uh, 
but there it's huh. it's done so like straight faced and like earnestly that it you can't help but like for me to just really like love it and it's just got like a fast paced drum beat and like these like epic horns and it's just it's a uh, it's a lot uh-huh. of fun and uh, I I enjoyed it uh, quite a lot. Mm, I'd have to. I'm sure that's something I would recognize if I heard it but yeah and then there's there's one more thing that i kind of wanted to uh talk about which is that uh probably my favorite or one of my favorite le- uh, like level like specific design things is did you do any of like the specific enemy duels uh i did they were well, see here's the thing about those mm-hmm. is they rewarded the parry player much more than the earthquake recall mm-hmm. cycle player okay because uh earthquake it just mopped up the big groups of enemies that have like uh, low and medium hit points. Sure. Like I think most of them have like 80 hit points and earthquake does 40. Mm-hmm. So I just hit them twice and they all die. Um, and I can do that by recalling. Yeah. But in the duels, it's like you get hit once you die. Mm. And then if you, I mean like they have like hundreds of health, so you need yeah. to be doing damage based on um, counters. So I did a couple of them. I think I beat the, the first one yeah but none of the other ones yeah i think i only beat the first one too but uh, i mean it, it just like uh, i feel it was like hard for me though yeah it's it's sort of like the uh the dark souls of card witch uh, like the dark souls boss where it's like literally you yeah, have one true. hit point and they basically they the the whole premise of these duels is that they take the enemies and just jack their hit points way the hell up and you mm-hmm. can only you can't take any hits and so uh you have yeah. to learn their attack patterns and be super careful to avoid them and uh be dealing as much damage as possible when you get the openings to do so because they have so much health and i don't know there's something uh, uh very uh i don't know like that's that was always like my favorite thing about dark souls is just like the bosses that are just tough as nails and really unforgiving and this sort of feels like card Witch's version of that is the the duels yeah yeah that makes sense to me um actually that makes me you probably don't know the answer to this but can you use any spell to parry like could i have been using earthquake to parry their uh attacks that i'm not sure i think it would be tricky because earthquake has a really slow animation yeah. which is part of it yeah thing. but she does this cool thing where she like pulls out her card like she's doing the Yu-Gi-Oh. yes like exodia and then like puts it down and it shakes the whole board and it's pretty cool yeah. so it'd be hard to time that which is, I, think, I wonder if you can use i think it. that's an intentional invocation of uh oh i'm sure Yu-Gi-Oh because uh bloody honey tweets about uh Yu-Gi-Oh more frequently than you might expect one to tweet about oh, Yu-Gi-Oh he? in 2018 <laughs> uh but yeah i i oh, think that's great I'm, yeah i'm not sure um because i know even i know like all of the like basic action attacks spells you can parry with and even like the flame blade is a very it has a very slow wind up i found it really hard to parry with that one because the wind up is like pretty pretty slow on that so you have to yeah. you kind of almost have to like cue it up before you have to know when the enemy is going to attack before they actually start the animation to hit that one oh, because the animation is actually slower than their exactly yeah oh that's tricky um yeah but yeah huh. i'd be interested to know um how that works but anyway, with that, is there is there anything else you were trying to touch on? Uh, no, I think that's it. Um, the only other thing I'd say is I'm really excited for this game to get further along the development process. I think listeners, make sure and check it out. It was really fun. It's uh, pay what you want, name your own price. So yeah, no reason not to check it out. Yeah, and I will say it's probably like the the earliest. Oh, it's definitely the earliest game we played, and maybe like one of the least 
polished. Well, it's weird because it has like it has a lot of like visual polish, but I definitely had like some weird bugs with like uh yeah the the slowdown effects like staying and so everything was running in slow motion including the music or like oh really the, that never happened to yeah, me yeah i huh. had i i think i might have just gotten like really unlucky and just hit this bug where like the music slowed down like permanently and then the the game like the action would like run at half speed for like a long time and then it would like jump out of it and then it would get like jolted back into it it was kind of odd but um oh, that's so so it's definitely like early goings and they specifically on the itch.io page say like we don't have a release date for this and we're not promising anything uh but yeah, we yeah, hope I'm to sure. like make a, a final game and i and i sincerely hope they do because i yeah. think uh with uh like some some proper choices this game could could turn out to be something be really really, really awesome yeah i mean i yeah just to reiterate it is it's basically a demo yeah so um uh, approach it as such but do check it out and follow the the creators of the game on twitter at bloody honey underscore uh at uh charlene maximum. maximum yep um at super blizzard and at ghoul powder so yeah and uh, uh, yeah. Jordan, why don't you why don't you tell the people about uh, our exciting episode yes. that we have queued so up next our, week? Our very special episode next week. We're not going to be playing a new game. Uh, we're going to be revisiting a game we already played before, which is Cameron Kunzelman's Skateboarder. And we will be having Cameron Kunzelman, um, the creator of that game, on as a guest. Uh, we're going to interview him. Uh, we're going to talk to him a little bit about his design process. What's it, what it's like to be an indie game designer? Um, who releases sort of these free to play games that we are playing on podcasts like this. Um, it should be really fun. It should be interesting. Make sure to check it out. And that'll be uh, taking the place of our regularly scheduled programming. Yeah. Uh, and we're, we're super excited to have our, our first guest. Um, yeah, hopefully first of many, but, uh, Cameron was very nice to agree to do this. Um, so I think it should be really good. Yeah. And, uh, in the meantime, make sure you follow us at edgeguard cast on Twitter where we'll be tweeting out links to all the games and letting you know when uh, when when the next episode is coming and we'll be tweeting at creators and uh, hopefully if all goes well the creators tweet back at us that so they listen to the show so if you want to come on to be interviewed yeah apparently. yeah and if you if you want to hop in there and tweet at them too to hopefully say wonderful nice things about the cool games they make uh, then yeah. you can do that as well on Twitter at edgeguardcast uh, but until next week uh, have a, a have a lovely time Play, play yes. more games. Play Cardwitch. Absolutely. Play it. Talk to you next time.